0: It's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a good one. I trust you all. I had a wonderful, wonderful uh, Christmas and New Year's. It feels like it's been a while since we've seen each other—three, three weeks, something like that. I was here last week. I was here the week before. I didn't see any of you. We didn't have. We didn't have class. Uh, if you're joining us online, hello and welcome to you. Whatever day that you are watching us, uh, we are blessed to have you with us. Um, who stayed up New Year's Day or New Year's Eve? Who stayed up till midnight? One, two, three. Who stayed up to midnight New York time? Saw the ball drop and that's good enough. I loved it when my, we we were in Pacific time zone. And uh, so that's three hours off from New York. And so at like nine o'clock, we'd watch the ball go down and kids, it's midnight, go to bed and like, okay, like, yes. Now, now they are smarter and wiser and they, they want to wait up like oh i know let's pray god above it is a it is a new year and we just pray that it's filled with new blessings new joys new ways to find happiness and new ways to to connect to each other and to you lord for all the people who are going through some tough times we just lift lift them up to you and we know that your healing hand is there we lift up those who are feeling lonely and left out, and we, we lift them up and we just just ask that that we as a family of faith can open up our arms and remember those who might be feeling on the outside to remember to to, to, to invite them on the inside of our circles, of our groups, of our fellowship, and of our church. Lord, it's a new year, and we give thanks for the blessings ahead. Amen. Second Corinthians. Uh, who, who wrote 2 Corinthians? I forgot. Paul. Paul, that's right. Um, the, it would be bad if I actually did forget, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, the Corinthian so, so so what is why did he write this letter before we jump into this? Because uh he'll dive into It's a short chapter that we have today. But the Corinthian church, they, they've been infected by by false teachers. We had the we had the disciples. They were doing their thing. Uh, they were going around, but not like Paul. Paul was going around. Uh, he had four different missionary journeys all over the Mediterranean, skipping here, there, and everywhere, trying to plant churches. And a lot of the churches that he planted, we have letters to Thessalonia, Ephesians, Corinthians, uh, Galatia, all them. Uh, but there were also other teachers going around, uh, teachers who were not uh either authorized by the church because honestly there is no church in there, there's house churches but there's not like uh people who are ordained or people who are uh that they, they went to school or or sanctioned by folk. Uh they were not apostles. You can, hey, I'm a Christian or even if I'm not, I'm gonna hang my shingle up and we're gonna, we're gonna I'll, I'm I'm the pastor kind of thing. Uh, and the, 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 there were people like that in, in the Corinthian church, and they were challenging Paul's personal integrity as well as his authority of being an apostle. Uh, you might remember that he changed his itinerary. He just said, hey, I'm going to come for two short vis- visits, and he he backtracked on that uh, due to the circumstance, and uh, some of those false teachers, like, apostles would never lie. They would never lie. And so... He says, I'm, "I'm not lying. Things, things, things happen, right? Have you ever made a promise to your own kid and had to backtrack on it? You had to backtrack on it. Uh, but they were, they were really beating down. Paul is not a real, uh, a real apostle. Don't listen to him. Listen to us. Uh, he was. <laughs> there was also a rumor that he was filling his own pocket with the money that he had collected for the folk in Jerusalem. You might remember there was an earthquake in Jerusalem. They were trying to collect some money for that." Uh, Paul also asked the Corinthians to consider that his personal, his personal life in the midst was always honorable, and that his life-transforming message of salvation was true. He preached Christ; he didn't preach himself. The ministry is never about the pastor. It's never. Ab- I, I know I tell stories and I get to talk in front of you, but it's always to hopefully to point to Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. That's that's the hope. Uh so, so he, he writes a second letter saying, All right, I'm I am gonna come back and uh yeah, let's 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 see where he goes with this. So we're in chapter three. It's again it's a short chapter. Thank you for making an even big font to help fill out the page, Jacob. But we're gonna jump into it. Let's do. we're just gonna do this by paragraphs. Verses one through three. And Lisa's gonna look for a volunteer to read. One through three. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit
1: of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets
0: of human hearts. Letters of recommendation. Such letters were common and they were necessary, at least for sure in the early church, because a false prophet or apostle, they could just travel from city to city and said, oh, by the way, Paul sent me. Oh, by the, uh, I'm best friends with Titus and Silas, if you know them. Um, so I'm going to take an offering to help support this ministry. And they weren't exactly official. It's not like you can call up Paul, uh, who is three countries away and say, is this guy really from, from you? So letters literally were important. Your signature was important. Your, uh, whatever mark you made on the paper to prove that it was you that said it was important. And so uh, letters of recommendation were often sent with Christians as they traveled. Show me your papers. Paul himself sent letters of recommendation to other people. Uh, Romans. Romans, the book of Romans. Where is that? Is that Old Testament or New Testament? That's New Testament. That's right. Uh, Look up Romans chapter 16, I think it is. It's after Acts. So you got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts, Romans, chapter 16. I'm just going to, uh, first verse, I commend to you. This is our commend, our, the recommendation. I recommend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Chantria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help that she may need from you, for she, she has been a great help to many people, including me. And then the, the whole, um, half the chapter of Romans here is greet this person, greet the, just naming names, right? Uh, he did this in First Corinthians. He did this in Second Second uh, Corinthians. We'll have one uh, coming up in chapter eight. Um, these letters are, are important. Uh, I was trying to play with this uh, yesterday when I was I was doing some reading. Uh, commend. I commend this person to you. What does commend mean? Have you ever heard that with the someone say it like that? an introduction a commend- a lift up or a praise or a but I never got the word recommend because you're doing it again. <laughs> if I send a recommendation letter it's not really a recommendation letter it's a commendation letter <laughs> commendation because i'm not if I do it again, it's recommending <laughs> anyway that's that's dumb English question, so I'll move on. Us. but Paul's like, i don't I don't have a letter. Jesus, he blinded me on the road to Damascus. I, he didn't give me papers. But you yourselves, you yourselves are our letter. Um, how much better to have a living letter of recommendation? Uh, the church at Corinth, along with groups of Christians wherever Paul had worked, they were they were his living letter to validate his ministry um, when you go in the ministry, they say, what's your calling? Tell, tell us your call story. And I, and I won't bore you with mine, but, uh, I got to feel, I, I feel like God can call you into the ministry and I feel like God could call you out. Like you'll always do something, but, uh, maybe you're not always going to do ministry. I'm going to get, I'm going to get in trouble with the other pastor here in the room. Um, Someone asked me, when do you think you'll ever leave the ministry? It's like, all right, when it's no longer fun <laughs> and when I'm no longer fruitful. If if I stink at this, maybe it's time to get out. <laughs> maybe uh, like if there's no fruit, if there's if there's no one coming, if there's no one listening, or like, you know what, maybe you should have been an accountant. Go off and and, and do that. Uh, but you yourself paul's i there's fruit there's lives being changed that's my letter and i preach christ says paul i don't preach myself am i beginning to commend myself again no i, I don't commend myself at all i commend the I, we proclaim a christ crucified and if that transforms lives then then the then the work is fruitful and and away we go um, maybe the best analogy in today's world may be a certificate of ordination. That's what we have nowadays. Uh, some people think that a certificate of ordination means that you have the credentials of ministry. And while there's an important purpose in a public ordination and ministry, a piece of paper in itself is not a proper credential. I might have the paper, but if I don't have the fruit, what kind of servant of Christ am I? Uh, the true credentials of the ministry are changed lives, living uh, epistles. Um, yeah. So I do a lot of weddings, and I get to do a wedding because I am a minister of the gospel and/or a judge. I'm not the judge, but I'm the ordained one. Did you know that anyone can be ordained now online? Yeah. Yep. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna downplay that at all. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was, I ran into someone's like, yo, man, I did, I've done, I've done weddings. I've, I got my ordination online. Like, wow, man, it took me three years, uh, and a lot of schooling to become ordained because, yeah, I'm a minister of the, of the new life church or whatever the life universe. Do you know what it is? Universal life church. Is that what they call it? The ord, the wedding factory one. The Yeah. It's like, wow. Tell me about your congregation. Like, I don't have a congregation. Tell me about your faith in Christ. I don't have faith in Christ. (laughs) How are you ordained? I went online, typed in my name, gave him 50 bucks. I'm ordained. I go. Many think the main reason God granted the miraculous signs and wonders among the apostles, because if you read the book of Acts, Paul brings people back to life. Uh, Some of the signs and wonders that Jesus did, the apostles got to do. Uh, Paul was preaching up on the third floor maybe this maybe it 's time to get out of ministry. He was third floor, and I got late into the night, and someone fell asleep in the third floor and fell out the window and died. <laughs> Paul went down, brought him back to life, went back upstairs, and continued preaching uh i don 't have if you fall asleep in church you 're on your own i don 't have that power. Okay, uh, But some people think that, uh, uh, some commentators think that the apostles got to keep some of these powers to prove that they were still of, of the fold of Jesus, of the way. And these powers kind of diminished as generations went on. Uh, pen, ministered, Paul's letter of recommendation was written with a pen, and the pen was Paul himself. He wrote into the lives of the people he served uh, not with ink, but he did. They did write with ink, with the Holy Spirit in the heart, on tablets of flesh, not on tablets of stone. When you think tablets of stone in the Bible, what do you think of Ten, Ten. Commandments? That's the law. Paul preaches grace. Paul tried the law, and the law, the law. Yeah, with Moses there, and and. Uh, we think it comes down with the law. Here's the law. How many tablets? Two, because we saw that in Charlton Heston, right? Yeah, two tablets. Uh, so how many are on this one, and how many are on this one? You would think four, four and six, because uh, just, just the way the formatting went. Yeah, uh, A lot of commentators uh, think that uh, that actually it was ten and ten. They were identical copies. Have you ever had to do a contract where one person gets one side and the other person gets the other side? Oh, yeah. Came down with ten. One, one was for God. Here are the Ten Commandments. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And here's your copy. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. It's a tablets of stone. Uh, new Covenant. That's that's what this is all about. The New Covenant of Christ. Not written in, in rock, but written in the heart. Uh, what what, what <laughs> What's written in the rock, what's written in the stone, can, they, it basically tells you what you can't do. And it tries to make you holy that way. Jesus cleans us from the inside out. He makes us righteous enough so we don't want to break the law, if that makes sense. I tell my kids what to do, so hopefully someday they learn for themselves that that's the best way. God gave us the Ten Commandments. He told us what to do. And then uh, 1,400 years later, it gave us Jesus, where we can see it played out in action, where we're clean from the inside. We, it's not just, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. But here's: if you have Jesus in your heart, you're going to walk that walk anyway. Does that make sense? All right. This might be old-timey language. Uh, I haven't been around for this one, but uh, have you ever heard the phrase, we have not been formally introduced? What does that mean? We have not been formally introduced. Someone else would introduce you to that person. In the old and olden days, and this might be before some of your time as well. In the old, you did not go up to someone that you were not formally introduced to and start a conversation. You had to be formally connected. As, as, uh, a lot of gender roles in this one. But I, I could not walk up to a woman in 1880 and say, hi, I'm Michael. Not going to happen. We have not been formally introduced. In other words, I don't know you and I don't trust you. So you have to come with someone that I know who can form. Like it was connections to connections. Like you had to be connected in there somewhere. That's formally introduced. Informally is hi, I'm Mike. And, 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 but uh, it's kind of what Paul's going on here. Uh, With a recommendation letter. We need to be formally introduced. All right, let's do verses four through six.
1: Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life.
0: So Paul knows what he has just written might sound very proud to the ears of the Corinthian Christians. After all, it's no small thing to say, you are my letter of recommendation. I am the pen of God's hand. Paul knows these are big ideas, but his place for thinking these big ideas is in Christ, not in himself. Uh, Paul does not consider himself sufficient for the great task of changing lives for Christ. Only Jesus has uh, sufficient power for that big job. Some people refuse to be used by God because they think themselves not ready. I'm not holy enough. I don't know enough of the Bible. I'm a new Christian. I don't know what I'm doing. And God looks down and says, yes, I know. But you, you, you are what I have. And if you follow me, I'll, I'll equip the called. I don't call the equipped. Yeah. If Paul is not sufficient of himself, then, then, then where am I at in that? Where are you? Um, even Paul did not think he was sufficient in many ways uh the same greek word for covenant uh has the ordinary meaning back then as the last will and testament paul's word of uh use of the word reinforces the sovereignty of god it is it's 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 not something we negotiate but this is divine decree this is this is it this is the covenant an arrangement uh between two parties uh, like I said, with a with a with a contract between the uh, the, the tablets of stone, the contract of the heart is uh, is this new covenant, where we have a relationship with God centered on Jesus and His work for us, uh, not of the letter but of the spirit. And of the letter, you can think law, and that's the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, he uses a phrase that sounds a little harsh. But uh, let's let's dive into it for a second. Uh, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. What does that mean? Any any takers? To nitpick all the law to yeah. Instead of having the spirit, yeah. If you break God's commands, what's what's the penalty? Death. And if you break God's commands in a spiritual sense, what's the uh, what's the penalty? Go to hell, right? Yeah, separation. It's a good. That's a good definition of hell: is separating separation from God. Here's all the ways that you are guilty, and here's all the ways that you do things wrong. And if you break any of these, I'm so sorry. No one's going to make it. I try to do my best, but even the Ten Commandments, I I mess up sometimes. I work on the Sabbath. Can you believe that? Yeah. Um, Do I take the Lord's name in vain? I try not to. Every now and then I work on my car, and that's when it comes. I try not to. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I tell the story, and I I probably told you all this before, but uh, I I was talking to my mom a long time ago. I said, you know, someday, uh, I wonder if if our house is going to be in heaven. Like, if I get to heaven, I'll see the house that we grew up in. And she goes, no, not at all. Uh, Your dad, your dad has damned it. (laughs) He has worked on every part of that house, and somewhere in there, he has dangethed the refrigerator, the stairs, the bed—it's like, oh, and we're jokingly, of course. We're like, oh, I'm not going to see my house. She goes, "Don't worry. Somewhere on the long line, he's danged you too, so you'll see it where you're going." All right, but the letter kills. If all I have is rules, 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 rules—that's that's not joy. That's not life. That's not fun. At summer camp, we always have rules, right? Here's, here's the rules of summer camp, and we try to keep them generalized, but the goal is not to follow rules at camp. The goal is to to grow in Christ and to have fun and grow in relationships and, and canoe and do all the stuff that we do at camp. Uh, if it's only just you're here to follow rules. I don't want to go to that camp. I don't want to go to that heaven. if it's all it is about following the rules. but I can follow Christ and Christ gives life. Now, we still have to follow rules. I still don't cheat on my wife, and she still don't kill me. So uh, we still follow those. Right. Uh, but the Spirit makes us alive to the letter. It fulfills in, in completing the work of the letter in us.
1: With all this, I think of the word grace. Thank the Lord for grace.
0: Yep. Grace is Grace is love that's unmerited. Mercy, yeah. What's um, real quick? Mercy and grace, grace and mercy. What's the difference? Grace, grace is unmerited. What would that? What would? What would make mercy? Mercy, mercy is more about forgiving. grace upon grace glory upon glory um, yeah mercy mercy is uh when you stand guilty in in whatever capacity before the judge before God before your spouse before yourself uh and mercy is allowing that to slide uh grace is just an abounding of love yeah. deserved not deserved it's just just love. All right. If you like glory, you are going to love the next two paragraphs because it is filled with glory. Verses seven, 7 through 11.
1: Now the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stones, came from glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts?
0: That sounds like a bible passage, doesn't it? Yeah. A lot of glory. What comes to mind when you think of the word glory? How would you de- how would you describe this to a kid? What's glory? I'm asking you because I didn't think about this before jumping into this. Glorious sunrise. Something, something that shows the, the hand and face of God, something that shows the creation of God. something... Oh, I was, saying, oh Glory, glory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something that reflects the face of God, something that reflects God's self. The ministry of death, that, that doesn't sound like good. Was it wrong to call the old covenant the law, the ministry of death? Uh, no, that's what the law does to us. It's, it tells us, it slays us as guilty sinners before God so that we can, before we can be resurrected by the new covenant. Uh, there was glory associated with the, uh, with the giving of the law. Anyone remember the Ten Commandment movie? So, so Moses comes down with, with the Ten Commandments, and what was his face like? Like bright, shiny, he was glow in the dark. That's what he was. Uh, we'll get to it in the next section. But he, he had to put a veil on, uh, so the people didn't freak out when they saw him. Does that ring any bells? Oh, all right. Uh, otherwise, we could look it up. He had to put a veil on his face, uh, so the Israelites weren't freaked out to go see Moses. So Moses went into the ark of the Ta- uh, went into the tabernacle. Uh, to, to talk to God, he took the veil off. When he came out, he had to put the veil back on because his, he, was, he was a light bright, he was glowing, uh, which was the one on. So there's glory in the giving of the law. And if there's glory in giving this, how much more glorious is the Spirit going to be? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is, is the ministry that brings righteousness? Uh, it's, yeah, it's Exodus chapter 34, I think. It describes how Moses put a veil on his face speaking to the people. But it was a fading glory. Trans, what's the word I use? Transitory? Transitory. So he'd glow for a while, then it would kind of fade. And he'd go in and pop back up, and it would kind of fade. Uh, some commentators, and I, I heard someone preach on this a long time ago, that uh, Moses kept the veil on even if his face wasn't glowing, so people thought his face was still glowing. Uh, just yeah, 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 I'm I'm still talking to God. I'm still talking. I'm I'm still me and God are still still tight. The old covenant has glory, but the glory of the new covenant far outshines it. Just as the sun always outshines the brightest moon. Compared to the new covenant, the old covenant was not as glorious because something new is here, something shining, something something, do you ever, do you ever, do you ever get? I don't want to, I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose this. And you get a new one, like, oh yeah, this is much better. And you don't do the old thing anymore. Uh, there's a, there's a, an amusement park. This is so off topic, but there's an amusement park that uh, uh, I like to go to in the Midwest, and they have a ride. The ride's been around for 50 years, and it's kind of one of those little classic old rides. And uh, they announced last year we're getting rid of this ride, and everyone just lost it. Who loves this place? Like you can't do that, even though no one went, no one, no one rides the thing anymore because it's fifty years old. Uh, but they said we're going to make a new one. We'll make a new one. Oh, it won't be good. It won't be good, and that won't be good as the last one. And uh, they made the new one, and yeah, no one rides the old one anymore. They want the new one. Uh, to the Jewish people, yes, the law was glorious, but here is Jesus fulfillment of the law so this better newer i don't know how to respond if i was a jew in that day and i never knew jesus and i just knew these christians were running around but this is what we've always done this is our story this is this is this is our connection i don't know it'd be tough But I also like the idea of grace and mercy, something that the law never gave. All right, let's finish it off. 12 to to the end, 12 to 18.
1: Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, There is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord,
0: who is the Spirit. Since our hope is a more glorious covenant, we can have a more glorious hope. Because of this hope, Paul uses great boldness of speech. The Old Covenant restricted and separated men from God, and the New Covenant brings us to God, enables us to be to be boldly with Him. Uh, even, even Moses did not have real boldness under the Old Covenant. Uh, a veil is not a bold thing to wear, it's a barrier. So that's kind of where he's going. We have, there's this barrier. The Israelites have this barrier. barrier those who continue to follow the old ways uh, without seeing Christ has a barrier in their hearts. Um, And in Christ, that barrier, that barrier is gone. Paul says that most of the Jews of his day could not see that the glory of Moses' ministry faded in comparison to the ministry of Jesus. Because the veil remains unlifted, they can't see the glory of, that, that Moses' ministry had faded and they, they, they should look to Christ. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Paul could say of his fellow Jews that a veil lies on their hearts, but it could be taken away in Jesus because that happened to him. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a... Man, I don't like saying that word at all in church. I'm not a wretch. It's like, well, if you follow the law, you're kind of on the wretch. I once was... Blind, I was blind, but now I see that that happened to Paul on the road to Damascus. Blinded, came to see, but in a more powerful sense, was blinded of of what Christ was, of who he was. And now he says, I had a veil. I had a veil over, over, over my heart, over my eyes. But now I see the light. I wandered so aimless, my life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord. I saw the light written by Hank Williams, Sr. Hank Williams, Sr. Uh, And what was Hank Williams, Sr. known for? Pardon? Pardon? partying he was he, he was an alcoholic is what it was uh and he'd go on stage like that and uh he had two shows one night and he was uh after the first show he was just done he he, he couldn't go on uh but he had they had a contract so he, he you got a half hour to figure it out so uh he's riding in the back of a of, of a car and he's, he's he's got his head down in, in in the lap of a of another country singer uh, just trying to just yeah get it off. And he looks out the window and in his, he's in another state, but he grew up in, he's from Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma. And by his house, there was a radio tower with a, with a light on top. And uh, he looked out the window and he was trying to sober up here in another state. And he sees a similar kind of tower and he goes, I am, oh, I see the line. I must be close to home. And the, the person who was uh, he was in the lapses. Hank, you are so far away from home. And for whatever reason, something hit. Uh, that was the genesis of the song. Like he, I am so far away from where God wants me to be. I am so far away from from who I who I, who I want who I want to be. Uh, I'm not the husband. I'm not the father that I want to be. And uh, he gave us somewhere in there. He gave his life to Christ and came up with a, I I saw the light. And it's off that story of seeing a radio tower and trying to sober up for for a second song. Paul, see the light. Get the veil off. The veil remains when the old covenant is read. And it's not just the Torah, but when the, the old contract Think of it like a contract. Jesus comes to fulfill the contract. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we contemplate the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into His image. I just want to close on that. Christ's image. We're being transformed into Christ. What does that mean? When you think of Christ, what do you think of? Give me some of the attributes of Christ. Humble. Boundless, unbound unbound love. Something like that. Love. Holiness. Love. Forgiven. Forgiveness. Forgiveness given. Compassion. That's what we're being transformed into. That's the idea of this Christian walk. Is how can I be more loving? How could I be more forgiving? How can I be more holy? How can I be more humble? How can I be and you put all these attributes in there? Someone asked a while back, where does you know the the where do you get the supremacy of scripture? What makes scripture Um, what do we follow? Do we follow the... Pastor Mike, do we follow the Bible? Like, yes. In that the Bible points to and teaches us to be these things. That's the authority of Scripture. Those places in the Bible that teaches us to hate other people (laughs) or talk about, hey, when you come into this village, kill the children, women, and men, and, and all the animals in this village, so it can be... That doesn't line up with who Jesus is. I do my best to follow this. That's the authority of Scripture. And that's where we're trying to transform ourselves to. All those places where this does not line up to me. I gotta ask myself, what do I, what do I need to change about me to make this happen? Lord, come into my life. Uh Open my eyes. I hear. Here, I. I don't think I'm wretched, but the fact that if I say that, I probably am wretched. (laughs) Lord, I'm not prideful. Sounds like a very prideful statement. Uh, Come into my life. Take the veil away from where I can't see, and show me your glory, so that my life might shine among others. I think Paul was
1: having a tough time trying to convince everyone that becoming a Christian was so much better than being um, following the Old Testament way of living in Judaism, that Christianity was a better way to go. And I can imagine how hard it would be for them to deal with all of that where we can see it easier now than we would have then.
0: Yeah. I think of me, uh, of my forefathers and mothers who left the old country to come here, how hard that must've been. But the place where you're going is better than where you were. That's why you went, right? That's why you go somewhere. Uh, we're, we're moving. Uh, for better opportunity or better change or there's, there's something compelling. Uh, but the amount of courage it took to do that or to follow the old Oregon trail out this way. Uh, you, most people change. This might work well, uh, for old Testament, new Testament, uh, old Testament law. Don't do this. New Testament, new covenant, new life in Christ. Uh, love everyone. Uh, People didn't follow the Oregon Trail because they were pushed. But they followed it because they were pulled. Something out there was more compelling. A better opportunity. Uh, I didn't follow my old ways because I was pushed out, but because I, th- I found Christ. And I found this is, this is how I want to live. This is, this is who I want to be. Next week we get to chapter 4. Any, any announcements by any of our staff? Who might be here? Just you now. Coffee hour. We got coffee hour back. We had it last back last Sunday. We're back to the 930, 1115 worship times. Thank you to those who showed up at 930 last week, two weeks ago to for our 10 o'clock worship service. Um, Save the date, February 3rd. Groundhog feed. How many groundhogs do you do you cook? Uh, we don't cook any. We get them from the meat department. Okay. <laughs> Sausage, bacon, that kind of groundhog. Yeah. Go in peace, and we'll see you Sunday.